0: Morning at home. Oh, I'm so glad to be back with you. And I have a big announcement, church. Big announcement. Tiffany, please. <laughs> years ahead of schedule, I mean, years before we thought it could be possible, by your generosity, by good biblical stewardship of the resources God's given to us, and his great favor, I'm here to announce this morning that Maple Valley Church is debt free. Well done. I remember Jerry would say, hey, Tiffany, please. Ed McMahon there. Praise the Lord. Guys, this is amazing. God's opened that door. Absolutely amazing for all that's happening with the Impact Initiative. Years ahead of schedule. So praise God for that. I'm so glad to be back. I want to especially thank our whole team. I want to thank Pastor David and the team and the elders and the deacons and the trustees and all of our volunteers and our preschool teachers for, and our interns for doing a tremendous job this summer while I was away on summer sabbatical. Absolutely thrilled to come back. I was back that first Sunday. They, they let me come up on stage for a couple minutes. And then last Sunday we were supposed to be together, and then what happened? Power outage, but also Iron Man happened. Everyone's so afraid about, you know, government shutting down church and what about our rights and it was a sporting event once again that stopped church but but we're back and i'm delighted to be with you this morning as we're kicking off our new series a place for everyone it doesn't matter who you are what you've done where you come from what you believe today so your mind might be changed tomorrow we won't check anybody's status at the door all are welcomed here There's a place for everyone, every one of you here at Maple Valley Church. And that's because we are followers of Jesus. And Jesus is the one, he is the one, which everyone can be included, has given us the order and the mandate to throw open the doors, to welcome in to go the highways and byways, to reach out north, south, east, and west, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in Jesus, there is salvation. There is no other way but the only way to the kingdom of God, to life eternal, and to new life, the abundant life that he promises for the here and now is through Jesus. That's what this series is all about. And now it's my great joy. Let's see if I can do this. It's been a while, but I did it for 20 years. It's great, my joy. It's, it's my great joy to use words. <laughs> Here we go. I haven't said it for three months. I'm not sure, Pastor Dave, I can say it. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 10. Oh, that feels so good. Open your Bible to John chapter 10. This passage in John chapter 10 will set up our, our whole fall series. Jesus tells us some very important truths about himself. He's talking to a group called the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the day. They were the community leaders of of Israel at the time. And and he makes no two bones about it. They are doing a terrible job. Jesus wants them to know. But we learn something about who they are and their role. And then we learn something much more important about who Jesus is with his own words. He uses metaphors of sheep and shepherds and a sheep pen or a sheep fold. Very familiar language uh, to all of us that go to church, all those here that go to church, very familiar language uh, in Jewish heritage and tradition. We Look at Ezekiel 34, Psalm 23. We, we, We know what he's talking about, right? Good shepherd, things of that sort. And yet the Pharisees here are absolutely clueless. They don't get what he's talking about. They, they're not picking up what he's laying down. We know in the Gospel of John, he talks a lot about spiritual blindness and, and deafness. And he has this example right here of these very learned men who aren't understanding what it is he's saying. And so we're going to pick up at verse 7. Here it is. Therefore, or so, Jesus said, again... He's got to really lay it on them. Very truly, I tell you. Or your passage might say, truly, truly, I tell you. As Rob mentioned, that repetition. Verily, verily, or truly, truly. It's really the word is, amen, amen. This is true, true, true. I'm telling you something that's an absolute truth with a capital T. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. And I imagine Jesus is looking Dead in the eye of those Pharisees and saying, yeah, I'm talking about you. (laughs) All who have come before are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. Jesus is drawing a, a sharp distinction between himself and those before him. He's making a, an audacious claim that he is the one sent by God. But he refers to them as thieves and robbers. Later, he'll call them hired hands. In Matthew chapter 7, when referring to false prophets, he's ta- he calls them wolves in what? Sheep's clothing. Do you hear a little anger in Jesus' voice here? Can you read that, into that? Can you pick up a little anger in the voice of our Lord? I would think that that would be very reasonable. He is, after all, the protector. He is the defender. And these that have been given the opportunity and the privilege to lead and protect And guide and shepherd, the people of God, have done a terrible job. And so, yeah, he's a little ticked. Jesus says, I am the gate, or your translation might say the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever enters through the one will be saved. Now... Maybe you're not familiar with this part of the passage, but some of us would think, okay, I know what's coming. He's also going to say he's the good what? Shepherd. So, okay, what's happening is Jesus mixing up his metaphors as he an inanimate object of a gate or a door, a piece of wood with some wire maybe, and also a shepherd. What gives? What's going on? Let me try to explain. Common in that time and would be known to Jesus' audience, but maybe not to us, was that sheep pens were attached to the shepherd's home. So often there would be a courtyard beside the house, bordered with a a stone wall to keep the sheep in. And oftentimes, shepherds were related to one another. And so there'd be brothers and uncles that were shepherds. They would come back home, and they would lead all of their sheep into a common pen. And the sheep would know their own shepherd's voice, but they would lead them in to that safe place. And so to enter the sheep pen by the gate was to come home. To get what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I am the way home. It's through me that they come home. There are those that try to climb over that stone wall. They're just sheep stealers, thieves and robbers. There are those that come in sheep's clothing to try to lead them away, lure them away. But I am the the gate, the way, the truth, and life. Okay, so if that's what Jesus is saying, that he is the gateway, home, all the way home, the safety of being there in the sheep pen or the sheep fold with with the home right next to it and the warmth and the protection there, how is he also the good shepherd? Well, people would also know at the time, but you and I may not know uh, these many centuries later, but I will inform you, as common as a sheep pen attached to a home of a shepherd was at that time, it was also commonly known that when shepherds were out in the fields by night, watching their flocks at night, it would be very unsafe to be out in the open. Shepherds would take their flocks out to, uh, to feed and, and wander around and into the hill country and up into the mountains, and every shepherd knew where the safest place would be at night. It would be a cave. And so before the, the sun went down, and before it got dark, the shepherds would find those caves. They all knew where they were from years and years of shepherding. And they would command their sheep to follow their voice into the cave. And then the shepherd would sit at the entrance of the cave for protection all night. The shepherd would use his own body literally to be the barrier and the protection looking out at any dangers any wolves that might come near and so this is how the shepherd could be a shepherd guiding the sheep during the day but here at night he is also literally the gate opening the gate to the sheep pen and guarding the sheep that are out in the darkness of night do you get it? you all get it, the kids get it the Pharisees still didn't get it. Jesus is saying to to any who, who care to listen, who have ears to hear, He is the only way home. He is the defender and the protector. By him is the narrow path that leads to life, Matthew 7. The others are wide and they lead to destruction. The only way to become a part of God's people, the kingdom of God, the life that God has for us, this idea of being able to go in and out and find pasture. It's an allusion to Ezekiel 34 confirming, fulfilling prophecy here. It was the good life. It was the abundant life. He says, I am the fulfillment of that promise, the protector and the defender of the flock to all those who listen and obey me coming in and going out into the world and finding life. I think about the time I spent this summer on sabbatical. And I so appreciate that the elders were able to give that time to me. we were able to afford that opportunity and David's leadership and our whole team to lead this summer, for me to take time each day to open God's word, to study, to journal, to fast and pray, to have a lot of rest and fun. What was it all for? Why was I gone for three months? Was it to work on my tan? And clearly not. I said, Lord, why, why this time? What, what is it that's happening that I'm getting so juiced up and reinvigorated? What, for what? All this extra energy, all this preparation, all this study, for what purpose, oh God? And I believe it is to prepare me for two things with you together. And I want to speak briefly of each today. One, I believe it's to prepare me to lead us through, Lord willing, the last phase of the COVID-19 crisis that we've been in. The crisis that we've all been living with. And I also believe it's to prepare all of us for the great opportunity of the We Are Family impact initiative that we've been talking about for several years, but especially here in 2021. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced the two are related. And that announcement that I made at the beginning of the hour is again another example of God confirming Yes, proceed. And I want to come to you and say the first opportunity I have to preach to those that are watching from home and all of you here, the most important thing that I can do in returning to a, a team that's grown and changed and is growing and we're adding new team members, the most important thing I can do to a congregation that I look at and see new faces and, and faces I, I can't even recognize with our masks on is I recommit to you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I said that a pastor has to say that to his church, but there are so many voices out there vying for your attention, trying to control and manipulate you, especially when you find a quiet moment. It took me three weeks of sabbatical prayers to finally begin to hear his voice again more clearly. And the voice has been saying to me for three months, preach the gospel, and nothing else. Some of you remember that I came here from Maryland about four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. And my former church in Maryland uh, was a very diverse church. We were made up of 22 different nations. So these were 22 different nationalities, immigrants who had moved here and brought their, uh, all of their belongings and landed uh, in uh, the D.C. area and found their way to our church. Many people from Asia, Eastern Europe, Central and South America, especially Brazil, but in particular from West Africa, all of the West African nations. I absolutely loved our big afternoon lunches and feasts where I had to try every single sample of food from around the world. And I even grew to love fish heads, it's true. And what would happen oftentimes is we'd have guests that would come for the first time and you could... Notice it was someone new that would come and, and sometimes it would be not just one guest or two or three, it would be the whole family. And when I say the family, I mean the matriarch and the patriarch and the kids and the uncles and all the children. They might fill up two rows all from one family. And the head of that family would greet me after church. And so on one Sunday, that happened. A mother and father and two kids, a relatively small family. Compared to most of the large African families that would come, the gentleman introduced himself to me as Dr. Theogene Rudasingwa from Rwanda, and he said to me, "Pastor Pete, this is our church." I said, uh, Doctor, Doctor Theogene, you just came. This is your only your first Sunday. Yes, this is our church. We want to join." Uh, can you see Pastor David maybe for next U class? Like, no, they, there was no next U class. There's no membership. There's no thinking about it. There's no kicking the tires. He knew this was his church. Welcome to the, to the family. We met a week or two later to hear his story. Theo, originally from Rwanda, grew up in a refugee camp in Uganda. He was an orphan. He grew up be a very angry young man he was an atheist and a marxist he went to medical school and he only thought of revolution and overthrow of power until he met dorothy who was from uganda and she believed in jesus and she introduced him to his lord and he was saved and dr theo served in the administration of rwanda and was the chief of staff and later was the uh, diplomat to the UN during the time of the Rwandan genocide, where in a period of 100 days in 1994, close to a million people, 800,000 Tutsis, were slaughtered by militias and gangs, by their neighbors and fellow villagers. He shared with me at that time the church either stood idly by or fanned the flames by the rhetoric. He said, Pastor Pete, the reason why this is our church is that you didn't bring politics into the pulpit. I knew from the start when you preached the gospel of Jesus and you didn't bring in politics that this would be our church. And so my friends, I commit to you, I'm going to preach the gospel, whether you like it or not. Verse 11 I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The Mishnah, the collection of Jewish laws, uh, oral tradition that had been written down, it included instructions for a hired hand. It's very practical. If you want to hire somebody to work with your sheep, here are the laws that would abide by how they are to behave. And in the Mishnah, it actually lays out what their responsibility legally is in case of, of an emergency. And the Mishnah says that the hired hand is legally responsible to defend a flock of sheep under his care if there is one wolf. Like a shepherd with with his staff in hand should be able to defend a flock uh, against one wolf and scare it off. The Mishnah goes on, it's very practical. It says, now if there are two or more wolves, I mean, now we've got a wolf pack, right? Then all bets are off. You can protect yourself. You know, call out for a warning, help. But that that was it. The good shepherd, Jesus says, lays down his life for his sheep because the sheep hear his voice. And yet the hired hand has zero investment in the sheep and in their well-being. And Jesus is here, and I believe he's looking the Pharisees dead in the eye, and he's saying, you hired hands are abandoning your posts. And there's not a pack of wolves, there's one wolf of Rome, and you're leaving them high and dry. You've abandoned the people to the Roman wolf. Bad pastures fleece the sheep for personal gain and flee the sheep when under threat. The greatest threat facing The church today, and I can only speak of the American church because that's I'm an American, and I can speak to being an evangelical because I'm an an evangelical. The greatest threat to American evangelicalism today, it's not the pandemic, and it's not CRT, and it's not any other kinds of social issues that, that we get all worked up about. It's pastors who are not standing up for gospel truth and preaching the gospel and defending their people. It's for pastors that do not fear the Lord. And our Lord here says that he does not take kindly to those who are responsible for his own and yet leave them to the darkness. Here at MVC, we take the public health crisis very seriously the safety and well-being of everybody here is my top priority. We've gone to great lengths to abide by the county and state regulations. We're wearing masks again. We were able to take them off. Now we're wearing them again to protect the vulnerable among us. And if anybody cares to know my personal opinion, apparently it's political for me to say this, but if you want to know my personal opinion, you say, Pastor Pete, what do you think about getting vaccinated? My personal opinion, I'm vaccinated. My wife and my son are vaccinated. My brothers who are doctors have given me that strong, sage advice, and I would recommend that if you care to ask my opinion. And if that's political, let's talk about it, out we the lobby afterwards to say that. The next week, Cheryl and I are probably going to get the flu shot. That's just what we're going to do. So I take public health crisis seriously, and I pray for the distribution of vaccines worldwide because there's a tremendous need around the world. In particular, I'm thinking of Rwanda and Uganda today, our brothers and sisters there. But by the same token, I take very seriously your freedom of conscience. The Lord God Almighty is the Lord of the conscience. No one else, no one else in authority can tell you what to believe, how to worship, or what to do with yourselves. And I hold that very strongly too. I think all of us share the same concerns about the pandemic. And while most of us are okay with abiding by state and federal orders, some of us are very concerned about the vaccine mandate and restrictions and limits on personal freedoms and rights. And I wouldn't be a pastor of the whole church if I didn't speak to those concerns, my first opportunity to speak to you. We've taken many precautions especially for the most vulnerable among us. At the same time, we've tried to create a very welcoming environment here at church. But we have brothers and sisters, we have guests, we have friends watching from home who are hesitant to take the vaccine for a number of legitimate reasons and concerns. We want to validate that and say, yes, we want to hear your concerns. Some are immunocompromised. Others have hold strong convictions about medical care, deep concerns about what they put in their body. Some just aren't ready yet. They just want a little bit more data. And some are dead set against it. We have brothers and sisters in our church, and Jesus says there's one flock and one shepherd. And our African-American brothers sisters, black brothers and sisters of ours, they have a deep set resistance and hesitancy from terrible history of science and government and mandates of putting a shot in someone's arm. And so, since I've come back, and I actually came back a little early from my sabbatical, I was called in on a number of occasions and special meetings with elders. Some of our brothers and sisters, maybe even in this room or watching from home, have shared with me, and I don't want to point at anyone else, but they've shared with me personal, great, grave concerns about facing the prospect of this mandate and losing their job, their livelihoods, teaching or, or working or what have you for many years and being afraid that their civil liberties are being eroded, afraid of vaccine passports and government overreach. Unless anyone thinks, well, you're entitled to your opinion, you're entitled to get what's coming to you. I want to say as your pastor We want to be a church that shows compassion for everyone. I mean, whatever I could do to help someone, to stand in the gap, we want to be that church, amen? Our deacons are ready to help anyone in need. I'll call your employer, I'll stand in the gap. Whatever we can do to help and support and encourage, we are here to help. I just think it's important that I say that. Verse 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus literally laid down his life for the sheep on the cross. He opened the doorway to heaven and the glorious paradox of the gospel is listed here. He is both the good shepherd and the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He took our place so that there can be a place for everyone where to listen to him and follow him. He says, my sheep hear my voice. So much so, he says, They hear me the same way that I can communicate with my father. My father communicates with me. They can hear me. Are you listening to Jesus, my friends? Or other voices? Podcasts, things on the boob tube, other things that are pulling your attention away from the way to life. He has come for the lost sheep from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Revelation 5.9. I love this. Any moment that we might think that we're just to huddle up and just care for our own little sheepfold or, or pull back from community engagement or say, well, if you want to come to church, great, but you need to check off these boxes and otherwise go down the street. Any sense that we aren't meant to be going out, he says, I have other sheep not of this pen. I must bring them also. That is a mandate he's given to his followers, to you and to you and to me. Now more than ever, I'm convinced that this We Are Family Impact Initiative is of the Lord. That's the only reason to do it. All the stories we've heard this summer and all the communication of the incredible needs that we have for more space, more rooms, expanding our preschool, after-school programming, Places for our deacons to meet with people. Places for our seniors to gather together. Places for weddings and memorial services. All those reasons, walking down the hall, up and down the hall, trying to find a quiet place so you can meet with someone and meet them in their need. All those reasons are great reasons, but there's only one reason to move forward with this. And it's, is it God's will to do it? Friends, I believe that it is. I'm 100% convinced that we are rightly hearing His voice And along the way, he gives confirmation like the unbelievable laugh-out-loud paying off of all the debt so that we can be freed up to do this. I want to say this in closing. Jesus never runs from a fight, always has our back, never lets us down. That must be true of your church. So as your pastor, for myself and our team, we are here to serve If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's our job to equip you for your ministry, for your vocation, for your opportunities to go out and bring the good news uh, to your neighbors and to, to live fully the gifts that God's given you to the glory of God. And if you're a seeker, we're here to share that good news with you, to hear your story, to understand where you're coming from, to help those in need. As a church, we are committed, ever committed, to showing compassion to all people, to care for the hurting. We will continue to feed the hungry, house the homeless, provide emergency relief. And yeah, we'll wear our masks until they say we can take them off. We'll go the extra mile. Matthew 6, Jesus said, go the extra mile. If you're commanded to go one mile carrying someone's stuff, go two. Why? Because a Roman centurion could order anyone, man, woman, child, grandmother, grandparent, to carry his gear for a whole mile. That was the law from the occupiers of Rome. And Jesus said, you know what? They make you go one mile, go two miles. Just just show them that they're not the boss of you. Mm -hmm. We're going to honor authority, the authority that God has given. Even if we dislike the authority or the rules or we don't understand or we think there's other things at work, we believe God's over all of that, Romans 13. We will live at peace with everyone, Romans 12. And we will also stand up and share our convictions and principles and stand by you for your convictions and principles too, including your rights and choices in these matters. Rob, you can come on up with your team. On Passover, when the lambs were being sacrificed at the altar, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, gave his life at Calvary. And God promised that his people one day would have the good shepherd. Goodbye, students. We'll see you you later too. Read, when you get out there, students, read Ezekiel 34, 11 to to 14. They're, They're all gone. I'll read it to you. Ezekiel 34, this is fulfillment of prophecy. The very words that Jesus said in John 10 come from this passage in Ezekiel. Listen to them now. In prayer, you can close your eyes and just listen to to Jesus fulfilling these words. Ezekiel writes this vision down, this prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus was born, saying, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock and when he is with them, and so he looks after his sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they're scattered by day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations, gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravens and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture of the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down. And this the Lord declares I will search for those lost and bring them back, the stray. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So Lord Jesus, we praise you this day. You are the gates. You are the only way. You are the good shepherd. You go after the one, leaving the 99. Such a reckless love to go after the one that's wayward and lost and is labeled and doesn't think that they're welcomed here. You bring them all the way home. So Lord God, bring us all the way home. By your grace and for your glory.